0: If you got your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 4. I have preached this scripture a lot over the years. Um, and I always go back to it, I feel like, when we when we need it. Um, and, I, and I think we're in a place where we need it right now. Um, I think this scripture reveals so much truth to us. Uh, it reveals so much truth about who we are and about our hearts. And I think it also reveals the truth about the church today and where we are. Um, And some of you guys have heard me talk a lot about this, right, over the years. You've heard me talk about uh, blind spots, things that are in our hearts um, or in our lives that either we can't see or we choose not to see, amen? Um, Things that we don't want to see about ourselves, probably things that uh, uh, maybe about our character or about the work that we're doing for God or about our lives that really aren't right or don't please God, they're not where we need to be, and... Uh, these things hurt us I mean they spiritually and emotionally and even physically at times if we don't get these things uh, in order and and begin to see these things they can really really hurt us right generally these are things in our lives that and and listen we're all uh, anybody that's in here this morning that's a Christian you you can relate to this we are all a work in progress amen Amen. Uh, we all have things in our lives that uh, that we need to correct and that we need to move a little differently on, and, and these things that we're talking about today are generally things that are worldly and and maybe a little selfish, or maybe even sinful that we don't want to change, so we choose to be blind to them. I don't have to say it any different than that. Um, these these are the kind of, these things are like the things that are out there that 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 kind of you hear a sermon or teaching, or you receive some good wisdom or advice from a friend, and. and and you would say amen to it and you would mean it. You would mean amen, all the while not realizing that the the, the message is for you. You know what I'm talking about this morning? Yeah. Like there are times, guys, when we say amen to the truth and we we don't realize that God is trying to speak that truth into us. Yeah. We wanna we wanna look around and see who else God may be speaking into. And, and, uh, and sometimes that we just, we don't want to see it, right? It's just the same way of saying, blind spots are the same way of saying uh, uh, the less popular version of it is to say deceived, right? We're deceived in a lot of ways. There's lots of things in our lives that, that have deceived us and maybe come in on us that, that, are, that, are, that are really hurting us. And so that deception can come out in a lot of ways, right? You can, you can think that you're doing things Self-deception is a dangerous thing. Because you can think that you're doing things that you're really not doing. You can convince yourself that you're doing stuff that's not being done, right? You can associate with people that are doing things and you can get around a group of people that are doing things and not do them yourself but begin to adapt to that mindset that you're the one doing them. You know what I'm talking about? Don't get mad already. This is pretty pretty light so far. Uh, So I don't want you to get upset. I'm not talking about anybody in particular this morning. I'm just again talking about all of us. Amen? Uh, Because the reality is, is that we're often blind to our own thoughts. Whether you're talking about in the church, or in life, or in marriage, or anywhere, at your workplace, right, no matter where you are, we're often blind to our own thoughts but we're not so blind to the faults of others. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? I mean, we can see those pretty clearly. <clears throat> and that's how that kind of shows up, right? Sometimes that, um, our, our hearts are really judgmental. How I many of you struggle with that? Judgmental hearts, right? Amen? I do too. I do too. I'm there. And that's the very thing that Jesus warned about in Matthew 7. And I know I told you to go to Mark 4. I will get there. But I want to read to you a little bit of Matthew 7. Uh, Verses 1 through 5, Jesus said these things. He said, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And the measure that you use to judge someone, in other words, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove this speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove (coughs) the speck from your brother's eye. Amen? (coughs) You see what we do, right? You you understand that we can see the truth in everybody else, but we can't see it in ourselves all the time. That's what I'm trying to preach to you this morning, right? We can identify the faults in others, and 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 and, but it's harder when you're trying to identify the faults in yourself. and And listen to me this morning. If you're a Christian this morning, I found myself guilty uh, uh, lately of this to some degree, and and if you you may be in the same boat as me, right? If you're a Christian and you spend more time looking and examining everybody else's heart, then we need to read this scripture every day. That's what the Lord told me this morning, right? As I was beginning to study for this message, right? Is that that we need to go back. Until we realize that we first have to focus on our own heart and walk with God, we're going to always be watching everybody else's walk. walk But don't misunderstand. God doesn't want you to be absent or silent about sin in somebody else's life That, that, that Scripture gets used a lot to say that you can't say anything to me about anything or you're judging me. That's not what Jesus was teaching. If you go back and reread that Scripture, you'll see what He said. He said, get the plank out of your eye and then get the speck out of your brother's eye. Amen? He didn't say leave the speck in your brother's eye and just worry about your own eye. He said, get your own eye fixed and then fix your brother's eye. Amen. Right? So you've got to read that in, in, in the context that that verse of scripture gets used against the body of Christ all the time by people outside of the body of Christ. Yeah. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. Well, and He will. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. He will do that. And, and and in reality is if you profess to be a Christian, you're under the judgment of God and the church all the time. Yeah. Because God allows us as brothers and sisters in Christ to to view each other's uh, shortcomings, and it tells us to help each other in those things. you agree with that? I think the Bible makes it clear that if we really love our brothers and sisters, now remember, one of the things that help us to know if we pass from death unto life is that we love our brethren. Amen? And if we really love our brothers and sisters, you, listen, if you love somebody, you can't sit and watch someone that you profess to love, make terrible choices, terrible decisions, and, and, and live in sin and not say anything to that person about it. That's not love. That's not love. You and as a matter of fact, what you've actually shown is you don't love them at all. You don't even care about them enough to, to help them and to, and to show them uh, that they may be off track. Now, now listen, I, I would say to this, what if God would have said to us, well, they're living in sin and I know that they're going to go to hell and they need a Savior, but gosh, I don't want to tell them that. What if it hurts their feelings? We'd be in real trouble, wouldn't we? We'd be in real trouble. It's not love. It's not what love is. Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. It hurts when somebody tells you something that's not right about your life. Yes. Nobody likes that. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You may be a spiritual giant. But when somebody points out a fault in you, it hurts. And, and generally, the first thing it does is they Amen now we're just being real this morning we can act like it not but it does right it makes us a little bit upset but listen the wounds of a friend are faithful they're meant to help they're they're, they're meant to listen the wounds of a friend what they do is they see cancer and they cut it off right but the but it goes on to say the kisses of an enemy are deceitful some people will love you right into hell They'll let you fall off a cliff. They'll let you walk away from God and profess to love you. And they say they love you so much they don't want to hurt your feelings. That's not love. It's just not what love is. If someone that loves you, if somebody loves you, they don't let you die spiritually. They try to help. But listen, this is important. Because I'm going to mark four. I'm getting there. But this is important too, right? Because the way that we do it matters. Right, like nobody wants to be bluntly approached and have their sin smacked in their face. Amen. Amen? Amen? The way we do it matters. Right? The Bible is very clear. Right? If we're going to have a church and environment to where we can talk to each other about what we're concerned about with each other, then the Bible says first and foremost, we do it in the spirit of meekness. That means we don't think that we're better than they are. Amen. We're not looking down on them. That's not the goal, right? it, it, It tells us to do it in love, right? That means not in anger, by the way. Love, go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not easily angered. We're to do it in love. We're to do it in grace. We're to do it in friendship in the hopes listen do it in the spirit of restoration not condemnation oftentimes what you see is when another christian tries to correct another christian they 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 come across like they're trying to condemn that person don't try to condemn them try to restore them try to win them back try to help them to see why what they're doing is dangerous, right? Try to help them to understand that you come. You, you, it's because you love them that you're worried about these things. All throughout the New Testament, we could go book by book and we're told to help each other, encourage each other, love each other, admonish one another, restore one another. All these things are written in the New Testament. Why? Because that's what God wants us to do for each other. Amen. We see a a church a, 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 a person that we know, a, a brother or sister in Christ, making dangerous choices, making sinful choices. We're not to lower our heads and pretend like uh, that, that, that nothing's going on or that nothing's wrong. Yeah. That's not what we're supposed to do. But before we do anything, we look at our own heart yeah. and see if we have that thing worked out in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Am I at a place to where I can be the example for my brother or sister here? Am I at a place where I've got this figured out so that I can help them Have I already conquered this battle that they're facing right now? Then you help them work it out, and I think it's even possible that that you might work on it together. Yeah. Right? That sometimes you, you 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 would you would say. I see this thing in them. And then you go to examine your own self and you see it in you. And so rather than ignoring it, you know, if I see Brother Joel doing something wrong or living in a wrong way and then I start to look at my own life and I think I'm living in the wrong way, then maybe the right thing is to go to Brother Joel and say, Brother Joel, I'm struggling with this. I think you might be struggling with it too. Let's work on it together. Let's get through this together. Let's pull each other up. Amen? Not tear each other down. Build each other up. Building up our most holy faith, the Bible says. Yes. Amen. You, you see, the willingness to hear the truth and to see the truth about ourselves, it matters. Whether it comes from a friend, whether it comes from a sermon, from a co-worker, no matter who it comes from, how we hear and absorb the truth matters. Now, I said all that so that we can go into Mark chapter 4 and better understand the Scripture because Jesus is going to talk about this very thing. He's going to talk about our hearts, our lives, our willingness to hear the truth and to receive it and how we act upon it and ultimately what happens to us as a result when we act upon the truth. That's what He's going to get into in Mark chapter 4. Let's go there. Mark chapter 4. You still with me? Uh, Am I boring y'all naked? Alright, hang in there. I will. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I told you to turn and I forgot to. Everybody there? Yeah. All right. I'm almost there chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And he began, and again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea, then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured. And some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. And He said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? Amen. Now look at verse 13 through 20 with me. And He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the world. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. (coughs) These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. Amen? can't tell if you're dreading this or not. <laughs> kind of sounded like she was. We recognize it's easy. Christ explained it. We recognize the seed is the truth of the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. And the soil is our hearts. The ground is our hearts as we hear that truth. you, you Everybody on the same page with that? Amen. The sower is not the focus. The ground that it falls on is the focus. The sower can be your friend, can be your pastor, can be a, 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 an evangelist, it could be your spouse, it could be your co worker, it could be uh, uh, your child or your parent. The sower could be lots of people. Amen? Amen? But now, this is what's important. Let me say this, too. Hopefully, You have a lot of soldiers in your life. You need to surround yourself with soldiers. People who try to tell you the Word of God as much as they possibly can. You need that in your life. You need somebody who's constantly reminding you of the Scriptures, constantly reminding you of what God is trying to say or do in your life. You need good, godly, Christian friends and family around you, surrounding you, helping you. Because it's not easy to be a Christian. Amen? Amen? Here's the important thing, though. That what they sow is the truth. Where does it come from? Jesus prayed and He said, Father, sanctify them in truth. Thy Word is truth. The truth only comes from one place. God's Word. Amen. Amen? Amen? If we back up on that, any at all will fall. Yeah. Right. The truth only comes from the Word of God. I'm not talking about surrounding yourself with people who love to give you their opinions or who loves to quote to you modern day psychology or psychiatry. I'm talking about surrounding yourself with people who want to speak the Word of God into your heart and into your life on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Somebody that loves you enough to talk to you about the Word of God. Amen?
1: Amen,
0: amen. Let Let me be real frank. Our opinions are not always truthful. Our opinions are not always right. But God's Word is always right. It's always truthful. Most of the time, I'll go as far as to say, most of the time, it would be better if we kept our opinions to ourselves. Amen? Amen? Because there's no power in our opinion. There's nothing to our opinion. But there's great power in the Word of God. Great power in that Word. You see, God's Word has the power to transform us. It's got the power uh, to be able to, to remold us and reshape us and remake us. And its purpose, the whole purpose of the Word of God is to, is to begin to chisel away at the old you and to make you more like Christ all the time. Amen. So that you can fulfill the purpose of God, right? God's Word is there to help bring you into the will of God and to help you find your purpose in God and to help you live that purpose out in God. Yes, amen. The Word of God is always for your good. No matter how hard it is. It's always for your good and it's always for God's glory. And He promises that when it goes out, it does not return unto Him void. I believe if you hear the Word of God on a regular basis, like at church, I believe if you receive that Word of God and believe it and act upon it, I believe there's some things that are guaranteed for your life. I believe there's some guarantee. It's guaranteed fact. If you hear the Word, receive it and believe it, and act upon it, your life is going to have more joy than most. Oh, not more ease. More joy. True joy. Lasting joy. I believe it's guaranteed that if you do those things, you're going to have more peace and contentment in your life than people who don't. I believe it's a guaranteed fact that if you do those things, that not only are you going to have joy and peace and contentment, your light is going to shine much brighter than most. Much brighter. And you're going to be an example to others. And I believe it's very possible that if you listen to the Word of God, study the Word of God, surround yourself with people who want to speak the Word of God in your eyes, and you believe that Word, and you act upon the Word that's taught and preached and, and spoken to you, I believe it's very possible that each one of us could lead people to the Kingdom of God. Amen. We can lead people to salvation. Amen. I believe it's a guaranteed fact for those that do that they have a closer relationship with God than those that don't. That's why being in church, and that's why joyfully submitting to preaching and teaching and being around other believers in fellowship is so important. It's not just so that we can say, I had 75 people show up for church. It's so that we can say, praise God. Seventy-five people came together today, heard the Word of God, and were strengthened. And now they can talk to each other about it. And they can grow in it, and hold each other accountable to it. And, and they can love each other. Amen. Let's look at the soils. I think that's important. What's the first soil? The hard soil. Uh, the wayside, He called it. I, I, and I classify that as the, as the person that refuses to hear. They, they, that's, that's, that's who they are. This is the person who doesn't really want to be... Who They don't want the truth at all. They're not interested. Some of you sitting here today may be this person. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying the reality is is that you're only here because somebody made you be here. You don't want to hear this. You have no desire. You don't, you're not looking forward to this in any way. You're not wanting God to speak to your heart. You, As a matter of fact, you're very unreceptive to it. Amen? Amen. Amen? This is the type of person, they're not interested. They're not listening. It doesn't matter what you tell them. It doesn't matter how you tell them. It doesn't matter if you can give them the chapter and the verse. They don't care. They don't want to change. They're not interested in real change. They're satisfied with their life the way it is. They think they've got it figured out. They don't want truth. And there's all kinds of people like that in the world. Would you agree with that? All kinds of people like that. doesn't matter what you say, how you say it, why you say it. Their mind's made up. They don't want to hear it. And this, this person can sit through a church service or through a conversation with somebody that loves them and they listen and they go home and they forget about it. Amen? They go home, they turn it off, they forget about it because they didn't want it to start with. It goes in one ear, out the other. Or they get mad at you for telling them the truth anyway. So what happens is, is that that you sow that seed or, or that sown and it just lays on the surface because they'll want it. And just in a few minutes, Satan comes and snatches it away. Yeah. And it's gone. Amen? Amen. That's exactly... I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a picture. That's what Jesus said. Amen. The enemy comes, Satan comes. He's happy to take it away. Right. These are the people, the, 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 the Christians who tune out during sermons like maybe some of you are right now. Amen? Amen. <laughs> or who read their Bible and don't care what it says, they don't know a teaching of living it out. Right? That's the way this person is. But listen, if we'll listen to the Scripture and we'll believe it and act upon it, I believe we can be delivered from a lot of the things that plague us in life. Amen. Amen. A lot. <laughs> There's another type of soul. The rocky soul, the stony soul, and the, and the way I classify this one, is, the first one is they don't want to hear at all. This one's excited to hear, but not for all. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah.
1: Right
0: in Mark four and sixteen, these are these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. They're so excited. This person says, you, you're preaching? They say, yes! This is fantastic! Yes. This is awesome! This is good! This is so good! i got to take notes. i got to absorb it all. They start thinking about how they're going to change they start thinking about the things they can do in their life. You know, they hear a sermon, they go to a conference, they talk with a friend, and they get that spark in them, right? They they hear a sermon on reading the Bible, and and they leave church and they run out to the Walmart and they get them a new notebook and they get new highlighters and they and they get a journal and they get a commentary and they buy a new Bible. They do all these great things. I mean, they're ready to go. They hear a sermon on church attendance and fellowship and worship and they say, Amen, yes, I'm going to start going more. I'm going to go on Wednesday nights. I'm going to be there for Sunday school. I'm going to come on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be there for revival when we have it. I'm doing this. It's happening. I mean, they get excited. They short-lived. Amen? Amen. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Amen? Amen? They got that little spark but when a little pressure comes... When a little temptation comes, they're done. I mean, on Sunday, they were on fire. Everything seemed wonderful. They were ready. But now it's Wednesday. And I know I said I'm going to start going to Bible study. And I know I said I really wanted to, but there's this other thing that I really need to do. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Come on. No, at least amen. Right? I mean, you can at least do that. I, I I was going to, but man, you know, I'll get after it next week. I know I said I was going to read my Bible in the evenings for for, for fifteen minutes. I know I said I was going to dedicate time. Kind of, I'm just so tired. I think today I'll watch TV. I'll double down on it tomorrow. I'll do thirty minutes tomorrow instead. Come on, amen. I've done it. You've done it. Temptation comes and we fold. We give in. We won't resist the urge. Can I tell you today lovingly with all the love I possibly have in me and I mean this the right way. Those people are spiritual babies at best. Infants. Infants. They mean well, but they've got no root in them. They're not rooted. They're not grounded. Paul talked about them in, in Hebrews. I don't have this Scripture up here because it came to mind a little later, but Paul talked about them in Hebrews. He said, For so by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God or the teachings of God. You, you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for they are babies. But solid food belongs to those who are mature, that is, those who by reason have used their senses, exercised, discerning good and evil. Amen. That's what Paul. That's the kind of person Paul was talking about. It's the same person we're talking about right now. And these these people are frustrating. And it's frustrating when I'm one of these people, right? But it's frustrating because rather than admit where they are, rather than, rather than owning up to it and saying, you know what, I really, I just don't have any root in me, right? I just, I, 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 you know, I meant, I, I said I was going to, and now I'm not going to. Rather than acknowledging that, they will convince themselves that they are doing it. These are the ones who make blind spots. They justify their action no matter what the truth says. They believe that they're justified in not bearing the fruit of truth. They have an excuse. And they tell themselves, it's not like it's a sin, I will eventually get there, eventually I'll get to where I'm reading my Bible the way I should, eventually I'll get to where i pray the way I should, eventually I'll get serious about church attendance, eventually I'll go to Wednesday night Bible study, eventually I'll witness to people outside of the church house, eventually I'll do all these things. They always are eventually going to get there, but they never get there. You know right now if you fall into that category. Yeah. But even right now as you hear me say that, you're thinking, I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm going to do it different. But deep down, if you do, you already got an excuse in your pocket mm. for why you won't. Yes. I will, but I can't right now. One day. Let me just encourage you. Dig up the rocks in the soul. If you plant a garden, you've got to go through after you plant and you've got to throw the rocks out. you got to do that or your stuff simply won't grow. It won't grow strong. There's not enough room for the root to take deep and, and to pull water up from the ground and eventually that plant withers up and dies. But if you go through and you'll pitch the rocks out and you'll throw them over there and make them a fence line instead right for your garden, your garden can grow. Okay. Right? You can grow in Christ, but you've got to throw the rocks out of the way.
1: Yeah.
0: Amen? Amen. Amen? Let's look at the third soil. <coughs> this is the weed-infested soil. Oh, listen. This is good ground. It's just really crowded. yeah Right? I, I I call this one the distracted person. Right, the ground is good. All the conditions are right for growth. It's just too crowded in there because all the weeds. And let me tell you this: I believe that this is where a lot of churches are struggling today. A lot. This is the Christian that isn't doing anything sinful. They're just busy with life. Very little time for God. Very little time for the kingdom of God. Not sinning. But not really working for God even. Yeah. Listen to the way this person describes this. I, uh, I'm going to quote a few times. I've got a few quotes in, 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 in this because... I, found, I, I read through a, a, another sermon from somebody else about this as I was studying, and I could not have said these any better. <coughs> but he said, these are they that aren't doing anything bad. They're just busy. They're busy enjoying life. And life is enjoyable, isn't it? God has given us many wonderful blessings to enjoy in life. There's tasty food to eat. Beautiful sights to see. Wonderful places to visit. We go on enjoyable outings with friends and family. We can spend our days pursuing the many recreational opportunities that surround us. There's hiking and biking and hunting and fishing and skiing and shopping and movie watching and gardening. Reading and relaxing, sleeping, playing games, going on vacation. Oh, there's so many things, too many to even list. These things fight for our time. They are not sinful things. They are not. God made all these things and gave them to us for our enjoyment. But when they take over our lives and they take the rightful place of God in our lives, they are thorns that choke out the Word. They stuff the growth of what God wants to do in our lives. Amen? Do you know how many people get mad at this kind of preaching? Now listen, I love it. And I know, I, I know when I, I, I feel a perfect liberty to preach the exact Word of God. I always have since the first day I walked in the door here. I feel a liberty that, that I can preach what God gives me and you'll love me. You'll love me for it. And I want you to know I love you. No matter how hard the messages get, I never come here and think, man, if I say this, that's really going to make him mad. And I, and I just laugh off the way back. I don't ever set out to do that. But I do set out to tell the truth. And to give you what God, I feel like, has given me in His Word. Sometimes these people can get so mad when you preach about this. Even though you're trying to help, even though you're trying to come along the side and help them to grow and to help weed the garden a little bit, they'll leave the church and go find one where they don't have to hear this. It <laughs> yeah. happens all the time. Amen. They'll leave and go somewhere else where it's a little smoother, yeah. Yeah. where it's not so hard. Yeah. And listen, guys, here's the honest truth. There's hundreds of churches all around us where you can go and get it smooth. Yeah. 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 You can go and get it and and they'll never challenge you. As a matter of fact, they'll encourage you. As long as you're showing up every so often, as long as you're sending the check, they'll just welcome you right in. I would rather not have your check. But I would like to have your heart.
1: Amen. 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 Amen.
0: Amen. Listen, the truth about these Christians is what it boils down to is that they're always too busy to work for God's kingdom. They're distracted. They mean well. I believe that with all my heart. They have the best of intentions. They really do. They want to be a part. They want to grow. They want to help build up the kingdom of God. They want always a but, though. Right? I was going to be there, but. I was going to help, but. I was going to read, but. I was going to come, but. I was going to pray, but. They always have something else in the way. Always. They really do want to work for God. They really do. But they've made their life so busy and so hectic and they've taken on so many other things that they can't get it done. Amen? Amen. And what does Jesus say about them? What is the message that He gives, right? And listen, here's the worst part is is that we can recognize all this, we can can say in our minds right now, we can even confirm in our minds, that's me. That's me. He's describing me. But if we don't want to fix it, it'll be us next Sunday, and the Sunday after that, and it'll be us on our deathbed. If we don't get after it. Amen? Amen. What does Jesus say? This is why this is important, right? They become un fruitful. The work they do is half-hearted because they're so distracted with everything else and even though they meant well, their lives end up producing no fruit. I believe this is the testimony for hundreds and thousands of Christians. When I read about struggles in the church, when I talk to others about church, when I talk to other pastors when i look at our church i don't want to knock us out of this this is the reality for most we're so blessed that we have allowed all the good things that god has given to us all those things that that man quoted all the great all the beauty of nature and all the family and all the vacations and all the tv and entertainment and all the recreation and all the rest and relaxation We've taken those good things that God meant for us to have and wants us to enjoy. And, and what we do is we allow those things to distract us from Him and His work and they take the place of Him. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> listen to this quote. And really listen to it. This quote crushes my heart. Most church-going Christians fall into the third soul. We go to church because we know we should. We read the Bible when we can. But for the most part, our lives are consumed with cares, riches, and pleasures of life. We spend our money on ourselves. We use our time in the pursuit of our own happiness. We spend more time in front of the television or at the lake or on the phone or reading magazines than we do in the Word of God. An hour and a half in church on Sunday morning is more than enough for us. The things we spend our time on are not sinful, so we don't see any harm. But in reality, they're choking our growth, stunting our development, recreation and entertainment, rest and relaxation are thorns of life a little is okay a little is even good for us but they've got to be in proper balance and most christians today don't have balance amen i see it in my own heart and as your pastor i can tell you honestly i see it in yours Can we get to heaven in this condition? Yes. Yes, we can. But we won't be taking anybody else with us, yes. And
1: we're
0: going to miss out on a lot of the great rewards that Christ said was laid up in store for those that work for and And you say, well, I don't mind if I miss out on the reward. I think you will mind. Yeah. I think you better rethink what those rewards could be. <laughs> we share one more quote. The greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's endless nibbling at the table of the world. It's not the X-rated videos. It's the prime time dribble that we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do, When God describes what keeps us from the banquet table that He's laid out, it's a piece of land, a yacht of oxen and a wife. The greatest adversary of love to God is not His enemy, but His gifts. And the most deadly appetites are not for poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of the earth. For when these replace an appetite for God Himself, the idolatry is hardly recognizable and practically incurable. The things that will choke you are the basic meat and potatoes and coffee and gardening and reading and decorating and traveling and investing and TV watching and internet surfing and shopping and exercising and collecting and talking and all these can become deadly substitutes for the living God. Amen. Am I describing you this morning? If so, we gotta move up. Yeah. Let me tell you the last type of soul. Good ground. The way I describe these are hearers that become doers. The last soul is where we want to be, amen. Not hearers only, but doers of the word of God. These are those that have found the right balance in life. They know how to enjoy the good things of life. They enjoy their family. They enjoy a vacation. They enjoy a little rest and a little relaxation at times. But they're not distracted by it. They're not caught up in them. They don't let those things trump the obligations that they have for the work of God that needs to be done. These are those that don't fool themselves. This good ground. These are people who, who, when temptation comes, they don't cave in. They're rooted and grounded in Christ. They went through. They, they picked up the rocks and they threw them out. They dug them up and got rid of them. Their hearts aren't hard. They plowed up and they desire to hear. They desire to grow and they desire to live out the truth. Amen. Do you want to know what the result of their life is? They produce much fruit. Jesus said some produce 30, some 60, some 100. But all these folks produce fruit. And I'm telling you, these folks that that work hard to make their soil good will have a greater reward in heaven than those that don't. And you can say to me, well, that doesn't matter to me. It will when you get there. You best start thinking about it now. If you're not producing much fruit in your life right now, it can change. It takes work. It takes patience. It takes faith. And it takes commitment. And it might even take some sacrifices on our part. Amen? But your life can produce fruit for the kingdom of God. But you've got to work your soul. You've got to get in and dig up the weeds. you got to get in and dig up the rocks. you got to get in and plow and work. Nobody can do that for you. You have to do that work. If you don't want it, it's a fact. You won't get it. If you want it, you can get it. God said, if you seek me with your whole heart, you can find me. He's there. Amen. A godly life that produces much fruit, that's full of joy and peace and contentment, that's full of, of grace and love and mercy. It's available to us. It's not, it was, it didn't die with the apostles. It's available for us. But we have to be willing to work the soul of our hearts Amen. and really dig in deep. Let's stand to our feet. Heads bowed, eyes closed, I would really appreciate that. lay quiet for just a moment. Where are you today with God? Truly, I mean, where are you? What's the condition of your heart? What, what soul describes you? Don't default and 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 just because you know what you should be and think that's what you are. Don't be deceived. Look deep. Look honest. Are you the good soul? Is your life producing fruit for the kingdom of God? If so, then praise God. Keep growing. Keep working. Keep maturing. God's using your life for His glory and great will be your reward in Him. But maybe there's some here that's weed infested. Your life is full of distractions that's keeping you from bearing fruit with God. You're too busy to be the Christian you know you're supposed to be. I'm asking you this morning, would you be willing to repent and change? Are you willing to change your priorities to find some balance? If so, would you get to this altar and start that process? Maybe you're the rocky soil. You always start well, but it fades off. Your Bible reading really isn't there. Your participation in the church and its work, spotty at best. You mean well, but it never takes hold. There's hope in Jesus. Are you willing to repent and change it this morning? Maybe you're the hard ground. You don't even want the truth. Maybe you're the hard ground this morning and you don't even know God and you're not even a Christian. But as you sit here today, you thought, I need to be a Christian. I need a savior. My sins are many. Is that you this morning? Do you need to be saved? you're lost and undone, but you need salvation, would you come? Would you step out and say, I'm tired of being the me that I am. I want to be the me that God wants me to be. I want to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Is that you this morning? Is God speaking to your heart? Is He working in it? Why don't you come?